Welcome to Team Perry's Step Out of Line podcast, featuring co-hosts Perry and Lori Finkelstein. Together, they explore, meet, and share inspirational stories with guests who have made a positive impact in today's world. This podcast resonates with our hope to make this world a better place one step at a time through love, acceptance, and uplifting conversations. Look behind me, I have pictures, my family history, all different people in my world, and just different things. I love to learn about people and talk to people. So people sometimes label, because I, I love that too. Like when I go to the gym, I just don't want to work out. I want to find out everything about everybody near me because I'm interested. And some people might call that being a yenta. However, I just call it being inquisitive. <laughs> right. There's a difference between being a yenta. It's your, your intentions also. Right. The line that you don't cross, I guess. That's right. Because I do also, I ask a lot of questions myself. I totally stepped out of my normal lines um, in my life. You know four different languages fluently. You were binge watching Say Yes to the Dress one day, and you decided, this is what I want to do. What were you doing before that happened? Like, what was your career path before you binge watched? And I've binge watched Say Yes to the Dress. I don't come away saying, I really want to do that because it's hard work. I don't want to. So Exactly, right. What were you doing before? Well, first of all, and I read, Perry, that you go to Adelphi University? Yeah. Long Island, right? I went to Hofstra. Oh, oh. that's 10 minutes away. I'm a Long Island girl myself. Yep. I grew up in Belmore, went oh, to Kennedy okay. High School. And um, I went to, I graduated Hofstra. And so I, I got my undergraduate degree in psychology, and then I went on for a master's in counseling and psychology. And in my head, I was thinking, I want to get into like a clinical practice and work with children or possibly eating disorders because I kind of struggled a little bit with that myself. Um, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I thought it was going to be on the clinical side. And then I was interning at Warner Communications, um, which is now called Time Warner. Mm -hmm. And they said to me, you know what, when you get your degree, if you don't want to go the clinical route, if you'd like, we have a job for you. At that time, it was called personnel. Now it's called human resources. And I thought, you know, what's this all about? And my parents were like, yeah, that would be great because you'll be on the business side of things. And I kind of took a little bit of a turn and I fell into this career for 20 plus years in human resources. Using my skills with the psychology and the counseling because I did a lot in the beginning, especially um, recruiting. So I was matching people with jobs and I would be interviewing them. Which to this day, like when I meet people and talk to them and want to know things, I feel like I'm conducting an interview, which right. goes to the Yenta thing you were talking about. Right. And so I spent 20 plus years in corporate America. Ten of those years, I was VP of Human Resources for a, an upscale women's fashion house. I've always loved fashion. I mean, that has been my passion since I'm a little girl. I could tell. I did that. I, yeah. Oh, you can tell. Yeah. I, I, my mother laughs because I used to torture her. We would go shopping and I was so difficult because I needed to 
put the dress on and she would comb the, the fitting room floor for straight pins so she could hem the skirt so I could tell how it would look That's so if I bought that skirt. So I've always been nuts with fashion. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I um, was the VP of HR for this fashion house for 10 years. And then um, I got recruited away and I was the VP of executive recruiting for a global public relations firm. I loved all of that. I mean, talk about meeting people and I traveled for business and PR, fashion, those are areas that are right up my alley. Um, so I did that for a long time and then I just, I felt unfulfilled actually. Wow. I felt like I loved what I did but I wasn't doing what I set out to do, which was really to help people and work with people. And I found that the more I got up the corporate ladder, the more politics were involved and the more I was feeling like I had to compromise some of my own values or my integrity or not do what I wanted to do. And I couldn't take it anymore. And my own self, my own psyche was telling me, you can't take this anymore. I was sort of like breaking down. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to play that game. You know, I checked off all the boxes. I got the undergrad degree. I got the grad degree. I climbed the corporate ladder. I did all these things, but I was feeling really not well. I was feeling empty and I was feeling um, down. And so it fast forwards me to about 13 years ago I was lying on the couch. My mom came in um, to visit me. She was staying with me. And I turned on the TV and I saw Say Yes to the Dress. I was like, what's this? And my mom said, oh, yeah, I watched this show. She had been watching it. I never, first of all, I never had time to watch TV because when you work in corporate America, you're working day and night. Right. Um, and I was in the office because back then we, there was no work from home. So I watched the show. It was a winter day. And I saw it was a marathon. You know how they have those marathons on all the time? I watched episode after episode after episode. And I thought, wow, I love this. I want to do this. This could be me. And so I grabbed my laptop and I sent an email out to the owner of the stores, the store. And they, they called me like the next day, really. And I went in and I had a few interviews that day. And then they said, come on back and come shadow us and watch what we do and see if you like it. I was like, I don't even need to come back. I love it. But I did. So and I literally changed my life overnight. You recall That's how I stepped out of line because I was older. I reinvented my career. I really took a risk because in corporate America, you know, you earn decent money. I had bought an apartment with this salary that I was earning. And now I have a maintenance and a mortgage and I'm single and I, I am my own sole provider. I don't have anybody taking care of me. And I took this major, major risk of like getting out of a job where I was going to earn this salary and get this big check every single month and all these perks and all these things to this commission job, you know, mostly commission, selling wedding dresses, going from, oh, yes, I'm the vice president of blah, 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 to I'm selling wedding dresses. So I was thinking like, oh, the prestige of this title and all these things, and now you're going to sell wedding dresses? 
So I had to get past like a little bit of the shame factor of that. Can you imagine? I, I felt like some shame. Mm -hmm. I felt like people were thinking like maybe she couldn't finish her career in that world and she had to like go backwards. But no, not at all. I took a risk. I took a major pay cut. In the beginning, I was juggling. I was doing some consulting work on the side because I was working part-time. I wanted to see if I was going to be successful or not. And I loved it from second one. Loved, loved, loved it. Not because I was on the show, because back then I wasn't even on the show yet. I didn't get on the show until I was working there a few years, probably three years or so. But I stepped out of my comfort zone. I managed. I took a huge pay cut because, believe me, back then I was earning even a lot more than I earn now. Right. But right. I was able to somehow figure it out. And I am so happy. Oh. Physically, oh. mentally, every way. And I get to, like, really help people the way I wanted to when I got my degree in 1982. You're playing mother, sister, um, bridal consultant, friend. I mean, you're playing so many roles every appointment that you have that you have to just bring it all together and hold it together for the person that you are helping. You really have to have such a good sense of what people want, what people need, and what they're looking for when they themselves don't even know. Right. And you know what? I could have never predicted any of it because I wouldn't have ever thought I was using those skills. But I see just the way I would interview you, Perry, for a job and match you to the right position. I'm matching the bride to the right dress. Would you rather have a bride who comes in knowing exactly what she wants and then leaving with something totally different because you surprised her? Or would you rather have a bride come in knowing nothing and you're schlepping along there for hours trying to find what she wants and then finally getting it right? What's, what's the worst case? Well, I'll tell you what. Surprisingly, I prefer when they don't know what they want. And I'll tell you why. Because usually when they think they know what they want, it's not the right dress. Right. And a lot of times, you know, like you may say, oh, you know, I want a ball gown and I want long sleeves and I want to hide my arms and this and that. And I'm looking at you going, That's, it's not going to work. It's not going to be right. But I have to show you that because I do have to listen. And I do show you what you ask for. But nine times out of 10, they're like, ooh, I don't really like this. And I say, okay, once I've won their confidence and their trust, let me bring in to you what I think would be great. And I do. And quite often, it's a success and they're stunned. People leave with completely the opposite of what they think they want. Um, out of all the designers that you work along with, which is the easiest one that you can bounce ideas off of who's willing to make changes to a dress that's set in stone, but obviously not because people always want changes. Is yeah. that the designer who you say, oh, that's like the easiest one to work with? Or Well, the thing is, is I don't, I do work with directly with some designers, but not all of them. So the ones that I do work directly with, and that's only because we have a relationship where they're in and out of the store. Michelle Roth, she's wonderful. I love her. Her karma's great. She does good. She donates. She, she, she's very, um, she's a mensch. That's what I would say she is, Michelle Roth. And so I love working with her. Of course, Benina Tournay makes any kind of changes that you might ever imagine. She works with the bride. She wants the brides to be happy. And I work with her in person. 
There's a designer called Maison Signore based out of Naples, Italy. I am in contact with them um, face to face and, and by phone a lot. Um, Tony Ward, he's a Lebanese designer. So those designers that I just mentioned are designers and barge that I've worked with in person. But all the others, even if I don't work with them live and in person, the designer themselves, the companies, the manufacturers are great. And most of them make changes. They make us happy. They do quick, short deliveries, which we have a lot of right now. Uh, a lot of last minute weddings. Um, yeah. So I, 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 they're all great. They're, I don't have a bad thing to say about any of them. And I noticed, um, I think one of the first episodes, uh, I, I'm sure it was you, that you were working with brides who had gone into Kleinfeld's with the mask on and were helping brides online. So I can't imagine how scary it must be for a bride who had planned their entire life that this was going to be such a beautiful experience and all of a sudden here they are, you know, faced with different reality. And you somehow had to get the bride through this moment, try to create some happiness for them and normalcy, but nothing was normal about it, basically right. it through the screen. Did you, how did you, that's a lot of pressure on you. Did you, how did you undertake that? How did you say yeah. you to do it? You know? Well, you know, it's a whole new world now. You guys know that. I mean, in a million years, no one could have ever told me that I would be doing virtual appointments and selling a wedding dress virtually. I, I couldn't even conceive of how that could happen. And the episode that you're referring to, we did as part of our COVID special. And um, it was the first one I had ever done and it was quite challenging. It worked out really well and I'm doing a lot of them now. It's not easy. We're, we're starting to um, create a process for virtual appointments because we have so many brides from all over the world who can't come here. Even all over the country, we have hot states. You guys know that. Um, we don't let them in without a two-week quarantine and all of that. So we're doing these virtual. I just did one from Virginia. I did one um, uh, Chicago bride. Um, it's a lot of work, though. It's a lot of work because it's not like you come in, I dress you up, we talk, and we're, we have to interact by phone first. I need to get information. Then we do one of these to just figure out what you like, what you don't like. And then we were, we did send dresses to the one that you saw, but we really can't do it, it's not realistic. So they're picking out dresses and I'm sure Perry, you've looked on our website at, you know, you can like scan dresses and pick things you like and price points and necklines and all of that. So we have them do that and then send me four or five dresses they like. And what I've devised is sort of my own personal system where I take one of the girls who work in stock or one of the consultants who's not busy with an appointment and I put them in the dresses and I put them in front of the screen like we're doing now and we do the best we can like that. But what could take, you know, one appointment to sell a dress normally could take three or four appointments virtually. Right. So that's hard. So uh, your, your business, your commissions are you know, harder and harder, I'm sure, to come by, which is not, not amazing. I can imagine, right, you're, you're, I guess, trying to make the best of it. What is your most favorite thing about what you do now, what, your career right now? What is the most thing that you love more than anything that you wouldn't change no matter what? I love, I, I work on, pa I'm, I'm driven by passion and emotion. Um, I'm not a person who, like, money is my God. As long as I can pay my bills, and, you know, survive, like, I'm not interested in 
having to sell you a $10,000 dress when your budget is $2,000. Those things don't motivate me. What motivate me, what motivates me is the passion and the, the emotion that I see when I find you, your favorite dress, your dream dress, that you love how you look, or you come into the store to visit me and I give you a tour around and you feel great and you're excited. That's what motivates me, emotions, not wow, she has a $20,000 budget. You know what? I've never lived my life like that. I will never be a rich woman. And that's really okay. Because I'm rich with, you know, meeting people like you and helping people find dresses or find happiness in whatever it is that I get, I get like emotional. I get a little choked up. I, I literally have chills because that's, I don't know. That's how I was raised. I'm, I'm motivated by making people happy which is why I needed to exit corporate America. We interviewed Panina Tornay. She said that the biggest like mitzvah, the biggest good deed that you could do for a bride on their wedding day is to make them feel special and beautiful and happy. And that's what she wants to do. She wants to make people happy and that's what makes yeah. her happy. So I think, Haley and Haley Page also, when we interviewed her, said the same. And I forgot to mention Haley, by the way. She is such a great friend of ours and I love her. Talk about somebody who does good. Right. And, and so I think it's, it's in your nature. It's in their nature also to help people, but to make people feel good about themselves, no matter whether a size zero or a size 16, it doesn't matter. Because when you look at a picture of a bride at, on her wedding day, you see the smile and you see the sparkle in her eye. You don't see anything but that. And the only reason why the bride is like that besides the groom, hopefully is the fact that she feels beautiful and it's just a great gift that you can give somebody. And it's, it's just really, it's, I could see how it would make you extremely happy and feel very rewarded in, in what you do. I, so. But I need to just say as an aside to this, that I personally am in awe of you, Perry, oh. in awe. And I need to say that because, you know, I don't know you well and I did do some research once you reached out to me and I watched a few things. I watched the Miami Thousand Steps that you did. And, you know, like some of my shortcomings are like, I, I, I can get really down and anxiety ridden and panic stricken about things. And um, like watching, you're the inspiration, like how, how you've done all the things you do. And your mom too. I mean, that you have the strength to just like keep going and and get your degree and edit videos and you know follow marketing path and do all these things it's just to me like I would think like I, I would be paralyzed because I'm not that emotionally I don't know sometimes I'm not that strong it's seeing what you do is just like beyond anything that I could ever imagine 